rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the Cosmic Force. My name is Tyler Reganti, and on tonight's show, we have our full team back to dive into our first trade paperback of the High Republic as we discuss the There Is No Fear arc. Uh, we've also got a new trade paperback in the weekly pull list and a special announcement for our upcoming shows. But first, let's go ahead and introduce the rest of the team tonight, and we start where we always do with... Our newly moved in, fresh back on the on the, the show, Emma. How did the moving go? Hello, hello. It um it went very well, I have to say. I really am enjoying my new place. It's um great on the ocean and I love it. Like I can hear the ocean right now, and it's just it's just the best thing. Um but it was a little crazy getting my my uh my cosmic force set up going here, like. Now, I didn't want to bring too much Star Wars stuff with me because uh, if anybody's ever tried to move with Star Wars collectibles, it's horribly stressful. Um, so, yeah, I picked a few Funkos that I already had them in the boxes. I've got uh, the whole Bad Batch crew behind yeah, me Yeah, that's here. a sore subject. <laughs> a little bit of a sore subject for everybody else. Um, <laughs> I, pay, I paid a little bit of extra money to get it from uh, from Big Bad Toy Store, which I love. And uh so yeah, I've got got a few Funkos, got my uh, Last Jedi poster behind me, classic purple lights. Like yeah, we're we're all good. So uh, I'm glad to be back. And and Heather did a great job last week. It was a, it was yes. a great show. Last week was a lot of fun. Uh, but we are very glad to have you back. Uh, we go over next to uh, Caleb, who is not sporting a tie, but is sporting an amazing shirt. So uh, where did you get that from? Um. Roosevelt's, I think it's like the term. It's okay. one of these trendy sort of things where you drop yep. all the vowels. It's it's a nice shirt. If you're you know what listening at home, it's essentially just a giant mosh posh collage of old the uh, the old seventies uh, Marvel comic run. It's 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 something else. I've worn this like three times since I got it last week. It's amazing. So <laughs> no, it's a real statement piece, and I'm I don't have many things like this in the wardrobe, but I think I might get a few more. It's it's really something else. That is, you you are always the best dressed of the team, and we definitely appreciate that. Uh, and last, our our producer Jacob, uh, how is the reading going this week? Have we have we had time to come back to uh, to some interesting Star Wars stuff? Or are we still no neck deep no in, I'm not in, in lol. Yeah, no, that, that's about it. And one of my professors asked this week, so we, you know, came off the holiday weekend in the U.S. And he's like, do you guys have any, you know, read any real pe- person books? And everyone just kind of laughed at him. So, no, it's it's <laughs> it's it's it is what it is. Luckily, I was talking to Slack earlier. I'm like, it's nice that I'm on the co- the comics show because, you know, I can handle my weekly reading in all of about like 10 minutes. So it's it's a lot easier to keep up with. So but that's life. Yeah, I can imagine keeping up with 24 page comics is a little bit easier to keep up with than, uh, you know, 350 page novels uh, that come out back to back to back to back. Or I think yesterday we had what, four uh, uh, Legends books come out? Uh, four Legends books plus Life Day Treasury plus the, well, for some people, the trade paperback for the High Republic plus edge of balance it's, it was a busy day it was a busy day yesterday yeah a uh, lot of people were like i don't know how to keep up with all these uh 
<laughs> like there's a lot of photos of people like with their 20 book hauls, it feels like. Yeah, I, I don't remember who said this in Slack, but it was a very accurate description. So I'm going to say it. Uh, you know, somebody in Disney Publishing picked September 7th and chose chaos. Oh, that was me. Yep. <laughs> that was you? Yeah, no, it, it's a very accurate description. I mean, I can't imagine how many Amazon boxes are showing up at my parents' house right now. They must be wondering what's going on. <laughs> it is a busy time. Um, but if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we try to stick to Star Wars comics on this podcast. Uh, if you can you can join some of the other UTN podcasts uh, if you're interested in those other contents. But uh, we broadcast live right here on youtube.com slash UTN every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And if you can't join us live, that's okay. Our videos are here on this channel whenever you have the chance to, to watch them. So go ahead and subscribe to the channel and make sure that you are able to be notified when we have new content come out. We're also on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So if you prefer to listen to us on the go, you, we are on all of those as well. Uh, we are a part of the Utini Podcast Network of nearly a dozen shows and a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with more than 1,000 members with dozens of channels to choose from. Uh, I believe in, in, our, in my weekly check-in here, I believe Tempest Runner was the most popular channel of the week as that audio drama dropped last week and there were people... Uh, talking about their their experiences with that. So I highly encourage you to jump on in there and join the discussion. Uh, if you like what you see and you want to say thanks, then head over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash Utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini podcast network of shows, as well as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. So uh, like I said, we, at the top of the show, we have a uh, roundtable this week. So we are going to go ahead and get right into the main show. Uh, we're not going to have any art. We're not going to have any what we're reading this week. So for those of you in the Discord who submitted their art uh, late, don't worry. You actually submitted it a whole week early. For those of you who didn't, make sure you go in there and submit some art for next week. Um, so, Jacob, we're going to go ahead and get right into the weekly pull list. So what do we have available at our local comic stores this week. All right, we got a few few important issues this week. We have War yeah, of the Bounty Hunter. Yeah, War of the Bounty Hunters number four, Attack at Dawn, written by Charles Soule, pencils by Luke Ross, the cover by Steve McNiven, colorist Naraj Manan, and letterer Travis Lanham. We also have Dr. Afra number 14, Repeat Offenders, written by Alyssa Wong, pencils by Federico Sabatini, the cover is by Sarah Pacelli. Uh, colorist Rochelle Rosenberg and letterer Joe Caramanga. Uh, and then yesterday we got Edge of Balance Volume 1. So this is written by Shima Shinya and Justina Ireland uh, with art by Mizuki Sak- Sakakibara. So this is the first of the canon, what's well, the first original manga in canon and the first one for The High Republic. Uh, you can find all of the links for those down in the description as always. And if you have any questions about reading order, War of the Bounty Hunters and Dr. Afra. I don't think it matters. I would probably read War of the Bounty Hunters number four first, but it really does not matter whatsoever. But all good issues to pick up. I haven't read them yet. Are they finally starting to become independent of each other? Uh, yeah. Well, Dr. Afra, yeah, Dr. Afra, the past two issues has been like off on its own thing. So it, yeah, it's pretty separate now. Yeah, I read War of the Bounty Hunters first and then Dr. Afra, but. Honestly, you could do either one first. Yeah. Um, they are definitely starting to become much more independent of each other than they have been in the past. That is good to know. And as always, we try to do our best to keep you updated on reading order and a, what which ones are essential. So 
make sure you come and ask us all of those questions. So, all right, we are going to take a very early merch break here. So uh, we will be back in just a second and we will get into our, our round table of the week. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back and ready to talk about the High Republic trade paperback number one. Uh, the creative team on this is written by the one, the only Kevin Scott. I think you've heard of him. I think he's done, done all right for himself. Uh, the penciler was is Ario Anandito. The anchor is Mark Morales. Cover artist is Phil Noto. And the editor is Mark Panicia. Uh these issues were released starting January 6th of 2021, and they ran through May 12th of 2021. And the trade paperback was actually just released yesterday for most of you who got it from uh, either Amazon uh, or, or digitally. Um, I have a couple of the uh, variant covers behind me. Uh, shout out to our Star Wars comic Discord channel, uh, specifically Mike, who I believe... Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you said he has every single cover uh, that. Uh, yeah, I, I believe he out for this. Basically, has every cover, not counting like Virgin, Virgin or Shadow variants for like Mike Mayhew stuff, but like pretty yes. much at least like one version of about every cover of the first arc entirely. So, yeah, yes. bravo! That's... Shout out to those to to to, to the, the rest of you all in the uh cos the, the the comics channel. Uh, we always like to brag. We always like to, to to show off what what covers we have, and it's always fun to see what all everybody has collected. Um, this, of course, occurs 232 years before, uh, BBY and is technically phase one of the High Republic. So I am going to go around the room and have everybody give uh, their initial ratings and a little explanation why. Uh, and I'm going to actually start with Caleb this time. So, Caleb, hmm. what is your initial impression of uh, this uh, arc? Initial impression. It's a good impression. I think it's probably sitting around like an 8.9 or 8.5 to a 9. Uh, it's the one like issue that I've like read most. I feel like I've read it like five times now, just like from, you know, all these like first five, first six issues. So um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick to my guns. And I'll think I'll say 8.5. It's really, really good. A really like high watermark, you know, it, there's a few dangling threads here, but it's still very good. Okay. Okay. 8.5 to start off. It's a very nice score to start off with. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to come to you. What, uh, what score are you going to give this? I think I'm going to give it an eight, um, not because it's not good. It's it's very hard to judge a comic book, especially one that's designed to be a longer run this early on. Mm -hmm. Like if mm -hmm. I asked you to like read the first five chapter chapters of, you know, uh, Lost Stars and ask you to rate it, it's going to be a, like it's going to be kind of tough. Like it's like, I don't know, like they haven't really done like, anything yet. Like no one like they're not in the Empire. They're just like children. So like yeah you're you're just snippet you're looking at a very short snippet of a longer story um I think this this arc like really takes off in issue 4 or 5 which is unfortunate because then you know that's not as that it's a much shorter span of what we're reviewing today it's still great and the stuff that comes after what we're talking about today is absolutely fantastic but I'm going to give this one an 8 Okay all right so we've got an 8 an 8 8.5 we've got an 8 Emma, I'm coming to you next. What are what are you going to give uh, give this arc? Yeah, I think um, you know, fo following our tradition, I think I'm probably going to be one of the the highest scorers here. Uh, I'm going to give this a nine point two. 
Wow. Um, okay. There's a lot of really interesting lore that I seriously loved. One of which was getting to see like how a Jedi becomes a knight, which I think is like the first time we've actually seen the process in canon, at least one of the first times I can clearly remember. And, uh, you know, seeing the Starlight Beacon dedication ceremony, we got some hints to some future characters that would show up in Wave 2. Um, just really, really great stuff. Um, more Dren gear was awesome. Um, they're a scary villain to me because they are so unassuming. And then all of a sudden they can just poke their little tentacles through you and then that's it you're done and uh <laughs> that's terrifying so yeah i really enjoyed this arc and and i think it helps that we've gotten you know what are we up to like issue nine or issue 10 like if you're reading issue to issue I so i kind of know that now. yeah yep. yeah nine so you know it, it helps to know that the story kind of um you know it does end on a cliffhanger this arc and it mm -hmm. helps to know that uh you know because i'm reading issue to issue it helps to know that it does you know resolve it itself uh, eventually and um yeah so i really enjoyed it okay all right so an 8.5 from caleb an 8 from jacob a 9.2 from emma um I am, am going to be a little unfair to this and I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. And the reason I say I'm being unfair is because in relation to everything else that we get, that we've gotten from the high Republic, this doesn't do as much for me as the books do. And, and, and that's that. And that is more a, a telling of how amazing the rest of the content is than it is a penalty for for this uh, for, for, for for this comic arc. So, um, I love the characters in in, in this book, um, but the fact that there isn't a lot. I mean, there are some there are some awesome panels, and but there's just it, it's not as world changing as some of the other novels are. And the fact that this is a little bit of an incomplete arc because of of the way the the the, the issue six and seven kind of go, and, and this and the story goes in there. Um, I'm not going to give it as high as, as, as you gave it, Emma. So um, I have a feeling I'm going to be convinced to give it a little bit higher, but, but just my initial gut reaction of, of, of reading it over again, because um, I have also been reading it issue to issue uh, is that it's just, it's, it's good, but that's, you know, good for the high Republic, unfortunately is, 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 you know, a low bar because everything in the else in the, in the high Republic uh, has just been outstanding. And, and, and that's, that's, it's a little unfair, but uh, I have a feeling you all are going to change my mind and and probably have me rate this a little higher in the next uh, in the next forty five minutes. So, uh, Emma, we're going to go ahead and start with you, and you're going to go ahead and give us the uh, synopsis for our issue one. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, we start off on Shuridan, where Jedi Padawan uh, Keith Trennis is undergoing her trials of knighthood uh, under her master Skier. Even though at the beginning it makes it seem like Skier's attacking her, maybe foreshadowing some things to come, perhaps. Um, things get interrupted by a swarm of giant insects, like giant, giant insects <laughs> rampaging across the land. They were really creepy. Um, we switch to Masters Avar Chris and Estala Maru aboard the fully operational Starlight Beacon. Um, they're just about to uh, open it up and do the dedication ceremony. I think it's that they're like nine hours from the dedication ceremony. So uh, I think this takes place just before the end of the Light of the Jedi. For those of you who really like to know where we are in the timeline, uh, they are met with a surprise visit from Yoda, who appoints Master Chris to the position of Marshal of the Beacon. Uh, Keeve senses that the insects are disturbed by the signal from Starlight Beacon, and she sacrifices uh, her Jedi Vector. Uh, to, she 
sets it up with the same signal and has it go on autopilot so that it directs the swarm off the planet. Succeeding in her trial, Keeve is promoted to Jedi Knight by Master Chris. She ignites her lightsaber and taps each shoulder, you know, or she doesn't tap each shoulder. That would be bad. But like, you know, she hovers it over her shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. And, uh, and the Starlight Beacon uh, is brought online with the big uh, dedication ceremony that we see at the end of Light of the Jedi. It's really cool to see that visualized. So that is how the issue ends. Issue two, Caleb, what do we got? I just want to say that was a big issue. Like that's like the first yeah. time I the first bit of like media I got from the high Republic. So that was like a real like door buster of a way into the, into the era, into the franchise. And that was, it was a really, you know, full episode. So, you know, now in issue two, we can't start the more episodic storytelling. So this one starts with a distress call where Keeve, a skier, uh, no longer uh, master and apprentice, but still master and apprentice and Jedi Knights, uh, Serret and Tarek arrive uh, aboard a now derelict ship. On board, there's the signature gas trail and leavings of a nihil attack. While Skeel, well, while Skier deals with mental trauma after the events of Live of the Jedi, he finds a dead hut. Um, meanwhile, Skier himself finds a nihil survivor who injures his uh, companion Tarek, and in turn, Skier slaughters the nihil. Uh, kind of, that's a really fun like action sort of beat. You know, where they took its time to really dive a little bit more into. This gear himself they tracked the um vessel that was with the dead hut where it came from a farming colony on sadir minor uh Sarit wanders into the fields of gra- of grain and is attacked by something unseen and unknown issue yes. three and we and as because of that in issue three uh Tarek is suffering very badly because of their i they're 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 linked. twin sense. Yes, I was gonna say I I didn't know if it was technically if they ever but specifically it, said that it was telekinetic or if it was a little bit deeper than that. But they have a a very close bond and with Sarit, um suffering and 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 unable to connect to connect with Tarek. Tarek is suffering very badly. Uh, wandering off, Key finds a sinkhole that leads to deep into a tunnel overrun with vines, and deep inside she finds Serret, now mentally overwhelmed by the Drengir, uh, a planet hive mind that we have now come to know uh, with the other uh, parts of the High Republic content that we have out now. Back on the ship, Skier is dealing with mounting frustrations. Tarek, also under the influence of the dark side, unleashes a cloud of spores on Skier, causing him to grow a new arm. Uh, because remember, he lost that arm in the fight from Light of the Jedi uh, and kind of take on a completely new personality that we see as we dive into issue four. Exactly. Having captured a dead the Jedi, the Dringir through Skier begins to monologue. Uh, the classic villain move, very, very choice. But this unfortunately backfires as it always does and allows Keeve to talk to her master and try to bring him back to the light, both metaphorically and reality, brings back to the, the light side of the force so he can gain control of his body and free the Jedi and everyone else that was trapped underground. Escaping the lair, the Jedi takes steps to protect the village that's uh, about to be overwhelmed from the Dringir when an unexpected ship arrives, an entire hut battle group full of tame rancors and dangerous battle cannons. Yeah, so last issue here, issue five. Myarga the Hut, 
which is very hard to say. <laughs> she begins to uh, grandstand and demand that the Jedi leave their planet, uh, claims the planet as a hut's planet, uh, even though they made a deal for uh, the crops that they grow on that planet, um, which is a main ingredient of Bacta. So there's uh, clearly a bit of a, uh, an evil motive there. Uh, Skier's evil arm, his Drengear vine arm, uh, he, it works up and attacks uh, Myarga the Hut, and uh, it starts a firefight. Uh, however, Master uh, um, Chris. Chris, yes, thank you. I was like, Keeve, Chris, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Master Chris uh, convinces Myarga the Hut to work together instead of working against each other, which creates for like a surprising team up, but it's also very, very badass. Um, during the melee, uh, Keeve corners her former master skier and manages to direct the force through the Drangir hive mind, forcing them to run away. Uh, even on Starlight, where there's a Drangir, uh, that Drangir starts to retreat as well. So they use the, they call it the mind touch, and Keeve sort of used skier, did the mind touch on him, which therefore did it on all of the Drangir, uh, which convinced them that they were spoiled meat. And that is a quote. Uh, Skier falls from the toll of the mind touch and uh, having to communicate with all those Drengear. And that is how the issue ends in Keeve's arms. This is probably my single favorite uh, panel from, from, from this entire mm. arc is I remember when this came out and I remember going into the discord channel and talking about how the, about the way Aria was able to, to, to capture the, the emotion on Keith's face here. This is just, this is a great panel. So exactly. I love it when like a, when the artist can be like, okay, we're going to have an entire panel about one emotion mm -hmm. and that's yeah. all we're doing here. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to stay right there as we dive into our characters. Uh, and we'll start with Keeve Trennis, uh, our point of view character that we see. We basically see the galaxy through her eyes and what, what makes it exciting to see, uh, you know, what exactly, uh, do do we feel is this why do we think that is this an exciting thing to do 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 we like the fact that this jedi uh you know newly knighted uh jedi uh is is the the best person to have as as the point of view for this um i'm going to go ahead and start with you emma and and say is that something that that you that you liked would you like to see somebody else like like avar like what what were your thoughts when when it was evident that it was we were going to go have her as the featured character here. I loved this choice. I think it is so great. Um, I really, I love seeing the galaxy through the eyes of someone who feels unsure of themselves, but still has a lot of responsibility. And I think that's why I love characters like Renestra Rose so much. She's my favorite Jedi in the higher public. And I think that's why I'm also drawn to Keeve is all of a sudden they're thrust into this sort of uncertain galaxy with these threats, uh, with the Nihil and the, uh, the Drengear. Uh, but all of a sudden they have way more responsibility than they had before. Renestra, she became a master. Keeve literally just became a knight on the day that Starlight Beacon was activated. Um, and suddenly there's a lot of pressure. She's on the front lines fighting the Drengear. And I think if we saw it from someone who had more experience and who had kind of a, a cooler head in some ways, like Master Chris or, um, maybe even someone like Yoda, they could have picked Yoda to, to lead it. Um, I think it wouldn't have been as interesting because we get to see the emotions that Keeve goes through. 
I don't think that it would be, uh, I think that it would be hard to display a relationship between um, someone who has more experience, someone who's older, maybe a master uh, than, than the relationship that we see, see between Keeve and Skier uh, because she clearly cares about him a lot because mm-hmm. just up until like, I think a day ago in the, uh, in the timeline of the story, uh, he was her master and uh, they both have gone through hell in the last few days uh, uh, story-wise and that causes a lot of emotions to come up. So I, I think it's it's also going to be interesting, I think, to see how all of this affects Keeve, like seeing her master go dark, um, her master, you know, attacking her and things like that. How is that going to affect her in the future? Um, how is that going to affect her mindset in the future? Seeing all of this like uh, uh, death as well as sort of just untrust between uh, citizens, like normal, regular citizens and the Jedi uh, because she's seeing all of this firsthand and all of a sudden, you know, she has so much more authority than she did before. So I'm very glad that we're seeing it through Keeve's eyes. I'm so glad that she is the main character. And um, yeah, I think it was a great choice overall. Yeah, you bring up a really good point about the the added drama that that brings the this new threat, the Dren gear to 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 light with with her being, you know, apparently new a new knight. So Jacob, I'm going to ask you, even if the Drain Gear weren't in this picture, you know, do we do, do you think that Keeve is ready for the responsibility that that knighthood comes? And, and you know, how does the Drain Gear kind of affect whether or not she she is ready? Because she kind of has to whether or not whether whether she is or is she is ready or not. Right. Yeah. No, I, I did. You know, it's, it's hard to see since we don't really know the key. We we, ver- we know very little of the key before, you know, she basically is knighted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like mm-hmm. one flashback and I think issue four or five. But, you know, I, I, I definitely think she is. She, she you know, despite her her um, potty mouth, as the chat is currently discussing, uh, <laughs> you know, she's definitely capable. She has some incredible like force capabilities with like the ability to like. She had the ability to like mind meld with like the insect swarm and like it, you can see like not to spoil things, but you'll see some more things along that line later in the comic book run. And I think she's incredibly capable. And I think you mentioned the drink gear threat specifically. We're seeing her her ability to adapt to something that's completely unexpected and like completely it's, you know, probably one of the largest threats that a Jedi has faced in hundreds of years, not counting the Nihil, obviously. So like the fact that she's able to adapt and survive in that i think is just proof of the fact that this is definitely something she was ready for and the fact that she had a such a skilled and confident master as skier you know i think that only goes to show that yeah this this is a a a role a burden that she was ready to take on okay like i really do like keith a lot i like this might sound a little pretentious, but I'm glad we don't have another Padawan like adventure. Like I feel like we've gotten a, our feel of seeing like the Padawans learning and all like that. And like it's the kind of put a little bit of a spin on it. It's kind of like you just she just graduated college and now she's in the workplace and she's like, oh, this is this guy. Kind of, this isn't as as uh, fun as I thought it would be. You know, she's been doing a lot of it as a Padawan, but now she has a lot more responsibilities and a lot more, um, you know, actions. Like in the next couple issues, we see her like having to deal with the fact that she can now be like ordered around directly to do things by herself and by and have to fly solo, literally. So there's a lot of like 
angst and like unsureness that comes with that. And they have definitely explored a lot in the next volume. So if you really like Keeve, you should definitely read the next couple issues. We dive into uh, issue six and seven. They definitely dive a lot more into her there. Um, I'm excited to see where she's going. Like, as Tyler said, you know, there's, if anything's holding back this series, it's that that we just don't know exactly where this is going to lead. So we're not getting the payoff to some of these early character movements yet. That might come in several years, but I'm excited for the next several years of Keeve content. So, no, she's a, she's a really f- like fun and almost like a fresh way of taking on to the look of the galaxy here. Caleb, I want to come to you with this next question because you're our, our resident um, Trendocean fan. Um, how do you like seeing, like, we've never seen Trendoceans like this. Not, not only is, is, is Skier a, you know, a good guy, but he's, he's a master. And, and how do you like seeing just this, this different situation? Exactly. Of not, of, yeah, I mean, I really can't, can't use any other words like, other than that. It's just, it's, it's so unique to have a Trendocean in this role Mm-hmm. and everything that we see with, with his yeah character. for lack of a more appropriate term like Thrandoshans are very like with almost the, the exceptions only coming out this year are bad guys like you know right. like uh bosk the bounty hunter is like most like even more than other bounty hunters he is definitively evil he really wants to hurt wookies like right we've got and, a few like i, I, the, I feel the clone like wars has kind of laid the foundation that Thrandoshans as a whole are bad because like, they pretty much they want to eradicate Wookiees off of the face of they, they love they love hunting and they love right. you know, attacking. Well, well, I, I take that back. We've got a few like uh, if you've read the uh, Doctor Afra series, there's a there's a really nice uh, win loss in her uh, win loss and knock. Knock, yeah, knock is a is a wonderful sort of friend ocean because they can't flip it upside down um and then we've gotten sid from the uh from the bad batch yes, that's true oh, too. Yes, I exactly love sid. so like i feel like there's like there's a there's a kindred soul of mine out there at disney right now trying to right the wrongs of like you know of saying all the uh those thrand oceans are evil so like seeing skier as a uh as a uh as a jedi master it's really refreshing but there's that great scene in issue two where you know we don't quite know it yet but we know he's losing his connection to the mm-hmm. force so he's like he just saw his friend got shot he's in the middle of a poison glass he literally just takes his mask off and like okay i'm going to hunt you like the beast you are yes and yes. just like absolutely annihilates as the panel we have here like just like it's I don't think I've seen violence like this descriptive with a lightsaber in a long time. He is bisecting that uh that uh Nihil. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. He then loses his cool and calf goes off on a rampage after that. So like it, it's there's definitely like they're talking like in you know, like that uh his heritage there, like you know, he's a friend ocean, he's of course he's evil. And in the later on in the arc when we get uh the hut showing up she does nothing but smack pop talk him the entire time and it's like so frustrating because he's not acting at his best so you like there's we want to like hate this hut here because she does nothing but you know talk down to and demean and be racist to skier and it's 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 sad yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just it's a really interesting dichotomy to see, especially in that scene that you're talking about, the aggression 
the natural aggression of a Trandoshan on the hunt butted up against the there is no emotion tranquility yes the 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 tranquility and 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 the lack like you said the lack of emotion of of the jedi and like that was that was one of the coolest parts of of this entire arc um but caleb you've got a couple of other uh discussion points that you wanted exactly for this character yeah and as i mentioned you know we are seeing like we're we're like we're see, as we see Keeve kind of gain power and get better and better at the force, we're seeing Skier like drop down and become more and more out of touch with his uh, with his training, with his upbringing, with his like role as a Jedi Master. So like we, it's not common to see like Jedi lose connection with the force. There, you can like see bits and pieces of it here in like far out media like i'm reading the darth bane trilogy there's a uh, part in the first book where he kind of lost connection with the force um you know in kotor they the they kind of severed revan from the force and kind of depowered him down like there's a couple of points from that so it's not something that seems to happen that often but this is definitely like a, a kind of like he's losing his connection to the force and he's very ashamed of that. Like mm-hmm. that is kind of like a kind of an interesting sort of thing. Like, you know, is there not, you know, just like what I have a couple of bullet points later on for the one, the big discussion questions here, but like he is not well, and it feels like he doesn't have like a, he can't go to his friends and to his bosses and say like, Hey, I'm losing my connection with the force. Cause that's his identity as a Jedi. So he feels like he's losing like his, his core component of who he is is i'm a jedi i'm in touch with the living force i'm in control of my life and yet he sees as he looks back and just like the last like eight hours of his life i've also murdered a person in cold blood by you know chopped up his body because i was mad and then you know poisoned all my friends and captured them because i thought i was powerful enough to tackle a hive mind of plants so a little bit of jedi hubris there probably but yeah he's definitely um i he's definitely an interesting jedi he's not like i'm glad they're not doing the whole he's a jedi and then he fell and then he's a fallen person he's now a dark side user they're definitely a lot more struggle and gray area here that i'm glad they're digging into yeah i i found the whole thing with with skier feeling ashamed uh about it excuse me kind of you know I don't know if I'm on the right track here, but I, I found it like a kind of interesting metaphor for how we look at mental health in mm-hmm. our society. Okay. Like, like it's kind of something that a lot of people feel ashamed to talk about when you're kind of like losing your way and things like that. I don't know why that came to my mind. It just, it, it just felt like a commentary on, um, on how things are today, but absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that I'm, I'm kind of thinking with skier is, uh, he might be ashamed because he's a Trandoshan and people expect him to be violent and people expect him not to be a Jedi. So I wonder if he's just tra- like white knuckling, just holding on to, to the light. Um, even if he, he, even if there is something wrong with him um, and maybe that's why he's you know nervous to tell someone, but I did like what Avar said. Uh, I think she said it to Keeve that, you know, whatever the Drangir did to him or whatever's going on with him, uh, we will bring him back. You know, she's not just giving up on him. Um, and she's not just saying, well, that's it. Nothing we can do. He's lost. Um, and I, I really like that about Avar. She's a very um, hopeful person that won't just give up because it's hard. Um, and even though we didn't get that much Avar in 
in this uh, this arc. Uh, that was a really, really solid moment. Might be one of my favorites with the whole discussion around uh, around the force and Skier's connection to the force and, and what they're going to do about it um, as an organization. I, I really enjoy, you know, the, the biggest overarching question from the, the, the High Republic era is how do we get from here to the prequel? And, and, and the, I love the breadcrumbs of all of these masters having issues, having personal issues, having issues with the force, the Jedi council having kind of, and, and, and they're all, you know, you, your, your discussion on, on, you know, on how, how it kind of mirrors, you know, how we see mental health, it, it really kind of overlaps for all of, of these issues. And I'm not just talking about, 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 about skier, but if, you know, if we talk about some of the, you know, events of, of the novels, everybody is having their own sort of identity crisis and nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody, mm. I, I, you know, and I, and I find, and I, I'm, I know without any factual evidence, but just by the, the, the confidence I have in these writers, that's got to pay off. And I'm really interested to see how each of these little issues and each of these personal issues are going to come back and not only hurt too strong of a word, but, but hurt both the, the individuals that are facing them and the Jedi council as a whole, because is that what it's going to be? Is that what is going to be the, 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 the fall of this golden era is because their pride, their, their inability to trust, you know, in their, their emotions, you know, which is ironic and, you know, being Jedi, their inability to communicate with each other and, and, and to really share these emotions with everybody like that's and, and, and seeing a Trendoshan, like I said, who is, I'd love, I really hope that we see a little bit more of maybe he's losing the connection with his force because with, with the force, because it's, it's his natural, you know, he's fighting his natural instinct, you mm-hmm. know, of, uh, as a trend ocean to be aggressive and to be, and, and just, it's such an exhausting, you know, battle in his psyche that, you know, it's, it's causing, you know, his subconscious to be distracted or something, you know, like I, I'm, I'm spitballing. Up, yeah. You know, like, literally, but it's just, it's so interesting that, that the, there seems to be a common thread that all of these masters, all of these people that are supposed to be role models for this entire order seem to be having their own personal issues with the force on top of their inability to, to talk about it with everybody. And I, and I, I just find it fascinating. Exactly. Almost. I think it will go the opposite way because like the Jedi we see in the prequel era, like, you know, during the time of Qui-Gon Jinn, Ki-Adi Mundi, you know, um, Adigalia, like these are Jedi who are very, very, uh, to use a, for lack of a better term, orthodox. Like they are all wearing the same drab ropes. I feel like that this is just like what I think creatively they might be going for. I feel like we're heading for a time where there's going to be a lot of emotion and like, you know, right. sympathy and outpouring that we see. And we saw a lot of this in Live to Jedi. Like, you know, well, Jedi, like, you know, Connections between Jedi are not frowned upon, but it's cool if we buddy up and like we can have relations within the Jedi Council. That's fine. I feel like that's going to lead to some sort of downfall that there's going to be a course correction so that by the time we get to the prequel era, they'll have course corrected too long, far, too hard to mean to be cookie cutter. And, absolutely and, and, no relationships. Yeah. Absolutely no love. Like we are not engaging in any form of uh, emotion at all because that 
you know, led us to a bad path right here. So we need to, that led us out of the high Republic era. So we need to course correct so hard and yeah, cookie cutter it out so that no one can be, can be emotional in the Jedi. So I, sure. I feel like that's might be where they're going. I'm not sure yet. Let's talk about Avar for a little bit. You know, she's, she's the superhero. She's the cavalry, you know, she's the guiding light. Uh, you know, she, she, you know, she is in this so we can see how Jedi for lack of a better term should handle situations. But Jacob, did she, did she misstep anywhere? And, and, and I'm actually going to lead you to where exactly, you know, her relationships with the huts. Is that a good thing? Is that something that is Jedi like, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on how, on how she's handled everything so far? So I'm going to say probably not what you expect i'm gonna say it is jedi like um maybe not for the best reasons i think oftentimes in jedi that's especially in the higher Republic era there's like a certain naivete about how the world works and how they always try they they're searching for the best in someone they will you know they will try and avoid the loss of life at all times even if you know it's the batman conundrum i'm not gonna kill the joker because i'm not gonna do that but then the joker kills so many people like they're 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 trying to find the the light in every situation which i think leads them to in this situation being like okay well we can come together the huts they've done bad things but we can inspire them we can come together with them and do something good for the galaxy by holding off the dream gear so i would Although it's maybe not a conventional answer, I would say yes. In that way, it is very Jedi-like. Not because it's maybe the right thing to do, but it's because what it's what a Jedi thinks is the right thing to do. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. I think I think that there has to be like a calculation that takes place, and I know you know that doesn't seem very Jedi-like either. I mean, their entire uh, purpose is to you know not kill anyone if they don't have to. But I, I think I think there's there comes a point where um, something becomes such a scourge on the galaxy that you have to say, OK, should I kill, you know, such and such number of people or let such and such number of people be killed? Um, how, how how could a Jedi justify allowing people to be killed when they could do something about it? I think I think that that's kind of like the moral issue there. Um, and I think it's likely that each Jedi will have a different reasoning on it and a different uh, stance that they take in terms of the issue. But I think, I think overall, like the goal of the Jedi is to protect as many people as possible, even if that means having to harm or maybe even kill the people that are, are doing the harming, um, even though that they don't advertise that that's what they want to do. They, they don't, they don't say that, you know, killing is our goal, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you, sometimes there comes, there comes a point where the number of people that you're quote unquote, allowing to be killed, uh, outweighs the sort of mm-hmm. moral obligation to not do any of the killing, um, which is obviously a hard choice and not one that, um, anyone should have to make. Um, because of course, you know, even though the drain gear aren't like a human or like, um, like an, you know, our, our typical alien, something that, uh, something that can, you know, communicate, um, in the typical fashion, Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, I think one of the, the key things visually that we see is that, um, 
the Dragon Gear text bubbles are all in black. And I found that very interesting because uh, recently in uh, the Darth Vader comics, his text yep. bubbles, mm-hmm. Darth Vader's text bubbles have been black. And so I just kind of found that connection interesting. Like, are they, there was also a, a panel, uh, like a flashback panel when the Drang, when Skier speaking as the Drangir, um was describing like the history of the Drangir, and there was like some Sith. Um, and I found, I found that very interesting. Like, are the Drangir some sort of a Sith entity? And therefore, do the Jedi have the obligation? There it is. Jacob pulled it up. Thank you. Do, do the Jedi, therefore, have the obligation to defeat them or find a way to subdue them because they have had a past with the Sith? And I don't know. I, I, think, I think that the question, there is no right answer. And, and obviously, killing is usually never the answer for the Jedi, but it might have to be here. And for Avar to say, yeah, let's team up with the Huts. Um, I think that says a lot about what she thinks about the situation. I, I do want to spend some, some time to, uh, talking about uh, Sarah and Tarek as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do want you to call out the fact that they, they, they are uh, trans non-binary uh, and that is, is something they were on the, the cover of, the, of the, one uh, of the, their, their issues for, uh, for pride month. Um, and, and, you know, they're pairing, they have a very, I, I alluded to it, you know, or, or earlier, you know, during the synopsis, they have, their, their pairing seems, it seems a little bit different than what we've seen before. Um, you know, are they, they're, they seem to be able to transpose items, you know, Tarek had Dranger spores, despite not being, not, not stepping off the ship, you know, uh, you know Caleb, how do you, uh, what were your thoughts on these, on these two characters, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and, and their portrayal in this book and, and, and their, their role, uh, you know, that they've played in this story. Like it's, they have a very interesting sort of a role here. I'm, I'm glad that we have them. They're definitely a very unique take on Jedi and I, to, not to very lead too much, but I feel like this plays into some of the greater themes of this story about like uh, hive mind connectivity being one as a unit, but also being separate entities because like they are definitely separate entities and they can split up and do other things but they are when one gets injured the other one is almost equally incapacitated so that's almost that's um that's not really a strength at that point that's almost like a a weakness there um you know we've seen some like force pairings before um i've written down like uh kreia and the exile from kotor 2 uh most famously ray and ben from the uh from the sequel trilogy. So we've seen these kind of like force diodes, force pairings to get before, but definitely not in something that's as healthy a relationship as it is this time around. So there's definitely like, um, it's definitely encouraging to see something, you know, very powerful and very positive come out of their connection, not only with each other, but through the force. And, you know, they're not isolating themselves out. They're very friendly when they're around our people. They're doing their best not to seem, you know, kind of weird and, you know, for like a better term, creepy because it's you don't know which one you're talking to unless you're paying really close attention, you know, that sort of thing. So like they got some really good sort of things. And and you know, Emma, you're the twin you're the only one here who has a twin. Is, is are these powers like realistic? Do you do you have these sort of twin <laughs> cyst powers? Oh, 100 percent uh my sister and I call it twin telepathy and mm. uh yeah, I know what she's thinking right now. We're not even in the same state, but I know what she's thinking. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just messing with you. Like, um, yeah, I found that very interesting. I have a few thoughts on them. Um, first of all, the first thing that came to mind when the whole Drangier thing happened was 
dyad. Like it reminded me so much of the rise of Skywalker that whatever happened to one person could happen to the other. Um, you know, we saw the, the lightsaber sort of, um, uh, the passing of the lightsaber, um, which sort of brought their two spaces together, even though they weren't really in the same space, which reminded me of like, okay, you know, Sarah and Tarek aren't in the same space yet. They both have Drangir injuries. Only one of them was in contact with the Drangirs. So that very much reminded me of the, uh, of a dyad. And, and I wonder if there is something there. Um, and the other thing that, that sort of came to mind was like, the sort of sibling connections that we've seen in Star Wars, you know, Empire, uh, when Luke says, you know, he calls out Leia's name and Leia knows um, that that he he's calling for her and knows where he is through the force, even though she's had no force training. Um, and I think, you know, I think that there is like this instinct between siblings in Star Wars. I, I think siblings in real life too, like, you know, I know, I know when my sister's thinking something and she's lying to me, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I think, I think it, it counts for real life and, and in Star Wars as well, that there's a very deep connection. And then when you combine that, um, you know, with force powers, with maybe a dyad, I think it'd be really cool if they were a dyad. Um, I, I think, I think they make a very interesting pairing. And, and I did, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Caleb, that their relationship is um, very positive because sometimes with these forced pairings, I mean, Luke and Leia were very positive, of course, but, um, you know, with Ray and Ben, it wasn't always, it wasn't always positive. Um, and then some other forced pairings, usually it's like a light and a dark, um, you know, opposites attract kind of thing. Mm, um, I think we're so going to see something like that. And there's one of the, uh, Star Wars visions called the twins, which I think is right. definitely going to be pairing off that, uh, sibling rivalry. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm glad that, that, that they have a uh, an interesting relationship and I'm really excited to learn more about them and, and see more of them in the future. I think they're two really interesting characters and um, they have a lot of potential. So we, we mentioned the Drangir as, uh, you know, and they're the villain of this story. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a hive mind. You know, we, we don't see many hive minds. I think I actually just had to go back into my novels behind me. Um, they, they, they very much remind me of the Killick uh, yep, dark nest. Uh, species from the Dark Nest trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are, are, does the fact that they're a hive mind, does that make them a, a, an actual threat to the Jedi? Uh, and and why is it that we've only really seen uh, this hive mind? You know, I, I believe that's really the only time that I can think of in the in 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 Legends. And I don't think there's anything else that is that that I know of in in canon. So, Jacob, why do you think uh, why do you think we don't see too many hive minds? And and does that make them a, a, a real threat to the Jedi? I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess they all got written to Star Trek. There wasn't any room for us to, to get those. Um, I mean, it is. I'm not. Yeah, it is Star Trek Day, by the way. Just throwing it out there on the Star Wars podcast. You're welcome, uh, Rick. But uh, no, I don't know. It it's it's definitely makes it for an interesting dynamic um, because it allows. I mean, you have a villain, you have this presence, but it, it's it, it almost like it. It's almost lacks a presence in a way in the fact that like it, there's no personality behind the drain gear it's just yeah. like it's a like a presence it's a being it's not like a individual or a character so it, it it's like you know like you have like all the like the classical like uh types of conflict in um 
in uh, literature, like man versus man, man versus society, man versus nature. It's really just more of a or person versus nature. Like you're you're fighting a force of nature rather than a being or an army or anything like that. It's it's a different you know it's a different dynamic, um, and we see beyond that we see like how the like nature of having a hive mind can be both positive and negative because obviously you have a a large control over a large span like all across the galaxy like that's centered somewhere but then you also have the ability of you know keep trainers to force push them and like make them think we're all like spoiled meat so you know it, it, it cuts both ways so it's 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 interesting like I think it's something that I'm have. I, oh, I guess Genos and Hive Mind. That's another one. Um, no, uh, not yeah. quite. They're like it's a it's close because it's an ant colony. Because like, and the mother, the queen ant, sends out like kind of orders to like their lower drones. But I don't think it's quite as. But there are multiple ants, so the entire thing is in a whole hive mind. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, I think it's. I think it would be a concept that'd be very easy to be overused. So I'm glad it's a little bit used a little bit more sparingly here. Exactly. Right. And you, you joke about the Star Trek sort of thing, but like Star Wars, like the, having a hive mind and like the idea of like who is what being and consciousness and that sort of thing, those are those are Star Trek questions. You know, that's the sort of thing that Star Trek is out to answer and have fun, you know, exploring is like who, like where does an individual write versus like the collective society? That's a Star Trek question. You know, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, says Mr. Spock. Uh, Oh, sorry, the needs of the many, yes, I don't need to once a few, as Mr. Spock said right before it's passing. So that's the sort of thing that Star Trek's answered. Star Wars is about space wizards and laser swords. Right. And, you know, like we can have really fun and exciting and stimulating sort of things. But, you know, if we're the hive mind of the Dringar, they're definitely here to be a threat to the Jedi. And I think, you know, having like a unstoppable force of, of shrubbery is kind of cool like there's that there's a very epic scene where um you know avar like jumps down and like bursts through the thing and slights the dringar in half and it's really dramatic and then immediately the two halves just reform like yeah that didn't do anything try again so I, i've got a little bit of of a hot take on the drink here I, i'm underwhelmed like just in general like you know and, and i've I, I i full disclosure i've read everything that the high republic has put out and there's a lot of threat but every time that they have been used as a force of evil or or you know as a counterbalance to the jedi they've been 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 able to be overcome pretty easily and, and you know maybe it's it's a calm before the storm maybe it's a, a, a you know they're going to evolve but I, I, you know, when I, when I, when I see the battles against the Nihil and, the, and, and, and unfortunately the Nihil aren't really, really, really featured much in this comic. Um, we get the drain gear and that's pretty much the, the, the drain gear. And, and I would all, almost argue um, more so as we've gotten into, into, into the, the, these later books, the Jedi themselves, you know, they, they're kind of almost their, their, their own enemy. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm not, I, I see the drain gear and they look amazing you know the, the the art that we see in the in in this book um they look cool but that's i i, I don't I, I don't see them as a threat to, 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 the, to the jedi they've been able to be overcome pretty easily by by some pretty i don't want to say lackluster but you know we've got the heavy hitters we've got avar we've got uh, Stellan, we've got you know uh, Elzar Man, we've got Skier, we've got we've got some heavy 
heavy cleanup hitters for 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 the Jedi. And every single time that they've been that the Drangir have been taken out, they've been taken out by um you know uh by 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 either padawans or by young knights or 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 somebody that mm-hmm. that we we haven't needed to, to the cavalry to come you know they overwhelm but once once the overwhelmingness has been kind of taken care of they they seem to not really be that big of a threat um i, I like i said i don't know if that's a hot take you know I, but but yeah it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense like you know when we the first like big book here we were introduced to nihil and like within the first act they've already killed like dozens of jedi like the nihil like have like indirectly are directly killed off many named jedi and i don't think the drinker have killed off any jedi they've killed like civilians they've killed a few like minor characters but they haven't killed jedi yet so it is i don't think it's unreasonable to say that they have not had a massive impact yet i think i think we're kind of led to believe that they're not as big of a threat and all i hope so yes i i think i don't want to say any specifics in case people haven't read it yet but race to the crash point tower changed my mind on the drain gear and because i i was of the same mind as you tyler that um that they really aren't as big of a threat they're manageable and then they did something in race to crash one tower that made me kind of change my mind. Um, and, uh, I won't spoil it just in case. And then the other thing is I kind of wonder if when they were planning out the higher public and the stories, the Nihil are the clear villains here. Um, however, it might get kind of boring if they were the only villains. And so I kind of, I wonder if maybe the Drengear were brought in, as a kind of MacGuffin to make us think like, cause when we got the concept art, like early on, we were like, Oh my God, evil plants. Like, you know, these guys are going to be like, you know, one of the main villains. And then they're, they're kind of, they kind of are kind of aren't. Um, and so I think maybe we're kind of led on to believe that, that they, you know, uh, are supposed to be a bigger threat than they are to sort of distract us from what the Nihil are doing um, so I think it, it could go both ways, but, you know, read Race to Crash Point Tower if you haven't, because uh, there's there's some interesting Drengear stuff in there for sure. Do we, Would we consider the Drengear sentient or would we be more semi-sentient? Mm. They are 100% sentient. They have yeah. the ability to communicate and they can talk. I've watched enough Star Trek. I'm an okay. expert right. on sentience. I just I feel the that <laughs> their motives are very simple. And, and and there's not really other than feeding, there's not a lot of wants or desires. There's no, uh, you know, and, and, and that's what I mean in the sense of it, mm. sentient versus semi-sentient is that what is their plan? Like other than eating, what uh, they're, they're, they're kind of zombie-like in, the, in in that instance of they have, they're, they're on a one-track mind. They want to eat. They, they, they see meat. They only want good meat. They don't want spoiled meat. But what is their goal to eat everything in the galaxy? I just I don't know. I just I, I, I want to believe you, Emma, in that this is not the final form of, of the drain gear and that there's going to be something else where we're made to feel this way for a reason. And then something's going to happen. And it's like, oh, that's why they're a threat. That's yeah, what the I mean- drain gear that we've been waiting for. Yeah, like I definitely feel like we're sort of building up to, um, you know, in the very end stages of the higher public when we get this big epic, you know, like 
battle at the end or what, you know, whatever happens at the very end of this entire initiative, there's going to have to be some crazy, crazy threats. And I kind of, I kind of have a theory going that uh, we're going to get like this Avengers level threat of like the Nihil, the Drangir, whatever baddies we get in the future, like they're all going to team up and work against the Jedi. That's just my theory. I think, I think that we're sort of like building up these other villainous groups uh, for literally, literally all of the cards to be stacked against the Jedi at some point in the end. And I, I, I hope that that happens because I think it'd be cool to see like all the baddies um, sort of gang up on the Jedi. Cause I don't, I don't think that they could handle more than one of these groups at a time. They could barely handle the Nihil as it is. <laughs> I, I just had an image of the drinker actually joining the Nihil. So each one of them with like leather jackets and helmets. <laughs> Bunch of tiny gas masks <laughs> over their little openings. Yeah. yeah. Be nasty in the chat hat does, does does have a good comment. He and he says that's what I like about this villain. There is no reasoning with this villain, and 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 he's right. You know there is no like yeah. you there is didn't, no because all they want to do is eat. <laughs> didn't they reason with yeah. them? Isn't that a thing? Uh, like in wave two in a story, I'm pretty sure they like yes, mind controlled him them somewhat and sort of thing. I think there there was um. Without, it was race yeah. crash point tower again. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, where they there, were sort of doing some reasoning. And um, I can't remember if that was force influenced as well, but um, yeah, just there's a lot of good stuff in, in race yeah. point tower. But, if you like the drain gear. <laughs> but I do think, I do think I'll, 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 I'll defend B Nasty's point here for a bit because there is a little bit of influence in race to crash point tower, but they didn't, all they did was point, point them in a different direction. Like, the, the, their their goal in Race for Crestborn Tower was something, and and again I'm trying to trying to not spoil it. And all that happened is they said, "Well, you still want that? It's just it's over there. It's not over here." Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of mind control, but I still would say that there's, there still isn't any reasoning because it's not like they said, "Well, you don't want to eat." There was just right. uh, what you want is 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 not where you think it is. So yeah. all right, and I mean, yeah, I think I think um, you know, moral of the story is that. Uh, this this whole initiative is so well planned that they can't just be here for just this. Yes, and uh, and mm. and I think we have a lot to look forward to from the drinkers. Yeah, they're, they're not I cannon agree. fodder to level up our characters on. <laughs> right. All right, Caleb, you've got a couple of questions, overarching questions that you yeah. have to talk about. So I'm yeah, some of these you. we've already kind of touched on a lot. You know, one thing we mentioned was that Skier was under a lot of mental pressures, uh, like some major stresses, and was starting to lose his connection to this force, like. We've, as I mentioned, we ha- don't see this very often, but it's not un- you, like completely unheard of. Like, do you think the Jedi do or should have like a, a retirement plan? Like, you know, for most Jedi, it seems like the retirement plan essentially is to, you know, be around long enough to become the Jedi Master beyond a ca- high master beyond a council, and that's it. But like, as we've seen, like with uh, Ty, and there's like certain in the High Republic itself, like there's certain Jedi that just can't fall out of the order, and you know sometimes it's because they they disobey orders, sometimes they don't play nicely. But surely some of the people lose the Force. Do you think the Jedi need a better like out package, like retirement sort of plan here, for like a better term? I mean, like we've had so many instances in the High Republic of. Um, Jedi sort of following the force wherever it takes them, like with the mm-hmm. Jedi uh, way seekers. I think I got it right the first yeah. time. The first, yeah, here we go. Um, and uh, 
and then we've got Yoda at the beginning saying that the force is taking him on a different path from the council and he is working with the, um, you know, the Padawans on that, uh, that other ship, you know, in uh, Daniel Jose Older's The Higher Public Adventures. Um, so it seems like there's more leeway in terms of um, kind of what the Jedi are allowed to do and how they're allowed to go about their lives. However, I mean, they are pretty overworked. The only reason that, that Yoda retired, quote unquote, retired was because all the, you know, because of Order 66. I think if Order 66 didn't happen, he just would have worked till he died. Like, that's just, you know, that, that's just the kind of, you know, person that Yoda was. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Jedi do see a lot, um, especially with their like humanitarian work. Um, kind of reminds me of, of some of the stressors that like, uh, like first responders go through in their lives. Um, you know, they see a lot of traumatic things and I think that that does take a toll on, on the Jedi. And of course, I mean, it would depend on like, you know, the species life cycles and, and, and their lifespans, I mean, and, um, and things like that. But I think, I think in the higher Republic era, at least it seems that there's more freedom to sort of follow whatever the force is telling you to do. And I think that that's, that might even be better than disconnecting altogether is, is to sort of do, do what you feel is right instead of just forgetting it altogether. I think okay. they sort of have over I mean, I, I guess by the time of, of the prequel trilogy, they sort of have a retirement plan because you could kind of say Jocasta knew is retired because she's yeah. a librarian. Like, I, I and I, but I think that I would like to see more emphasis and stories on that in the sense of at some point, peacekeeper, warrior, two sides of the same coin. At some point, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, what else? That's the part of your, that's the part of your question that I am intrigued about is what do you do when you don't want to be the warrior peacekeeper anymore? You go to that planet that Biggs and uh, uh, Porkins and Wedge and uh, Wedge went to when you know, played volleyball. That resort. I don't know oh if goodness. you could spend more than a few days on that planet. That they would spent be two weeks there. Two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's something that I would I'd like to see a transition of mm-hmm. away from warrior peacekeeper into. Not, not even just teacher because because yes yoda is a teacher and, and and teaches the but he's teaching the padawans how to be warriors and mm-hmm. and slash peacekeepers i want to see how jocasta new becomes the librarian and and how the more the the order functions from a organization that is deeper than just, you know, keeping peace along the galaxy. You know, that's, that's where, when, when you, when you ask that question, that's kind of where my mind went. Well, I, I do want to see that. I suddenly got a realization from Light of the Jedi. We actually cast Soul something like that. You know, the Blade of Portada, what was his name? Um, uh, Porter Angle. Porter Angle. Like that's his retirement is like, I'm going to be cooking for this tiny little out Jedi outpost out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, like, I guess that's your retirement plan is perfecting soup recipes <laughs> <laughs> and be and being the cavalry when exactly but, but see, yeah but it's he's still the cavalry though that's that's the interesting part i don't i can't see jocasta new when 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 the stuff hits the fan on on coruscant and, and anakin is storming the storm in the gates i can't imagine jocasta new is i mean well granted in dark in, in uh yeah in darth, in the darth vader comic she does she is able to put up a fight so maybe i'm i, I should eat my own words there so 
Kayla, what's your what's what, what's your next? I was about to say the, the one thing we learned from all this is there's a lot of excep- exceptions out there. We have a lot of preconceived, but the, oh, there's a lot of like little things out here that we always forget about. So, uh, what's the next one I have? Okay, so the Dringar, as we've established, are a hive mind, but we also you know, especially with Avar Chris, you know, her powers to connect everyone together to be on the same page. Like there's a lot of parallels here between the Tringar who are using like the dark side almost to like control and manipulate thousands of forces. But the Jedi are on a, like a different like scale here of like being like, um, you know, connecting there. What, what do we think of the parallels between the Tringar and the Jedi? I, I mean, for me, it goes back to I, I, I don't think there are a lot of parallels because of of the fact that I, I just I don't see a lot of depth in the drain gear right now. And 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 that it's it's hard for me to to mm-hmm. I see a, I see a ton of parallels between the Nihil and the Jedi. But but for me, I, I don't see a lot of parallels because I'm I'm we're still in phase one of the Drangar Drang gears, uh, you know, evolving, and I just don't see a lot of of depth behind. They're just they're hungry all the time and they want to consume everything. So yeah, uh, if I might make a counter argument to that, we do see the Drangar like go out of their way to corrupt and influence certain people to their uh, way of viewing. Like they corrupt Sarah Kinteric, they corrupt. Uh, skier and like have them acting as agents of their own so they're almost re- they can recruit people to their side and to their forces and that's kind of what Avar Chris did is she recruited the, the Hudster side into their forces to, to fight this war here so you know I think it's a little more depth there of like uh, the Dringar definitely can are capable of long-term planning and like manipulation and grandstanding so they have an ego to themselves they like they want other things to be part of them with or as food into the digestive tract or as like soldiers out there like um minor spoiler for like one of the later episode issues but they like corrupt a local group of like ants essentially to fight for their side in a later issue so like they are capable of you know taking other people and recruiting them into their hive mind here and you know this is this is me playing like extreme you know um devil's advocate but isn't that kind of what the jedi are doing is that they're gathering force sensitive to add to the, like the harmony of the living force yeah That's fair i mean I, I can i can i can see i can see i'm, both I'm sides. not I mean, i'm about to say i'm not necessarily saying that the dream guard and the jedi are, are and the jedi are the same and there's no difference i'm just saying it's an interesting parallel yeah it is an interesting parallel i think um i think that I definitely think that it's done on on purpose. It's done. I, I think I think a lot of the purpose of the higher public in general is to make us think about um, that the Jedi maybe were once, uh, you know, pure of motive and um, became sort of corrupt down the line. So I think that there is definitely a reason why we see a little bit of a parallel here. Exactly. So that was just one of the points. Like the last one I can't have here. And it's one thing I really that really stuck out when I was reading the uh, Light of Jedi is the Jedi are definitely coded as definitely more so than any other era superheroes. Like, does anyone else was anyone else kind of gain this vibe as like they they show up out of blue with their you know shiny outfits and cool powers? They save the day, you know, protect civilians and all like that. You know, is that 
am I reading too deeply into it just because it's a comic or is this something that is definitely, you think they're making purposeful steps to try to make them appear as cape wielding superheroes and with their, you know, (laughs) with their hall of justice floating around in space. I mean, I I think it's definitely done on purpose. I mean, um, I think, I think when, when, uh, you know, it was just the original trilogy and they talked about Jedi of the old Republic, um, you know, we kind of, like pictured um, these kind of superhero like figures that were infallible. And, um, and I think the one panel that comes to mind in this arc for me, when I think about uh, the description of, of superhero is when uh, Avar comes down and she like slices the Drangir in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so badass. It was so cool, but like, it doesn't seem like a super Jedi thing to do, but like, but it was awesome. So um it, and obviously you can't kill the dragon gear that way. I don't think she knows that yet, but um, we know that from other books. Um, yeah, I, I think that the the superhero uh, type of look is definitely on purpose. And even just with the outfits, like in the higher public, sort of the more gold, um, a, a tiny bit more color, you know, with the sashes um, around their waist compared to like in the prequel trilogy in the Clone Wars, when we've got some more tans and beiges and, um, you know, some armor there's definitely some stark differences in the tones. And I think that, um, I think that we're supposed to see them sort of go through this transition between the higher public and the prequel trilogy where there is a, a downfall and sometimes superheroes, sometimes they do fall. And, um, I think that that's the case. That's obviously the ca- going to be the case at some point down the line here. Yeah. Uh, anyone else want to add on to that? Um, superhero thing yeah i think that there's definitely it all plays together in the sense of why they're eventually going to fall is is that they've been put up on that pedestal as superheroes and and i think kind of i'm I'm trying to think of a of of a comparison that we've seen kind of in what no i don't want to say that uh in in that i think the i think that the galaxy has become over-reliant on them. Mm. If there's a problem, the jet, we, the Jedi will come and save us. And there's going to come a time when they're not, or when they do and they fail. And I think that what we're going to eventually see is either the regular, regular ordinary people are going to have to defend themselves or the Jedi are going to let them down. And either way, it's going to be a sense of, we don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we put our reliance on you for so long and you failed us. So get lost. And, and, and I think that that's is going to be where it kind of why their numbers might, might, might shrink to the level that they are come, come, come the, the, uh, the prequel trilogy. So, yes. but I, I think you're, you're spot on and that, yes, they are, they, they are meant to feel as if they're superheroes in, the, in, in this era. Exactly. You know, and, you know, one of the, this is again, reading cap deeply into it. One of the reasons that in the, uh, the, why Palpatine like took over and managed to crush the Jedi is because they were so, he created a war that intertwined the Jedi with the Republic so heavily that it was easy for them to, to fall together. Meanwhile, like the, you know, and then we're going, we're seeing us here where the, uh, the Republic and the Jedi are intertwined. It's a pretty healthy relationship from like the outside, from the bits we've seen, but there is, you know, when you are tying your like, you know, thousands of year old monastic tradition to like, you know, 
a political candidate, things seem to can get out of whack pretty quickly. So, you know, we'll probably see something go wrong there. So, yeah, that's kind of the high-end theory crafting that we have going on here. Speaking of high-end theory crafting and deep dives, Jacob, you uh, burnt the midnight oil on this time once again for all the Easter eggs. I did. I did. We got some solid Legends connections here. Uh, but yeah, here we go. And for reference, I like if there's something that's like, hey, it referenced Light of the Jedi. I didn't do it because uh, I figure you guys kind of all know those. Uh, but anyways, here we go. The uh, Zimpi, which are the little fairy creatures in issue one. Uh, we also talked about them in the Lando roundtable. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they are like Papa Torn's buddies uh, and they appear here again. Um, at uh, Keeve's trials, Skier hangs a Tythonian pendant at the top of the needles. Tython is one of the oldest locations of importance for the Jedi Order in canon, and we see it in Mando Season 2. Keeve references walking to a wasp worm hive, which are uh, creatures we see on Vrogus Voss and Vader Down that Han and Dr. Aphra shoot uh, on top of each other. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's a deep poll. We got um, Sarah Urteric. Uh, one of them mentions uh, Nagnal Gas as part of the Nihil smokescreen. Nagnal Gas was first mentioned in Star Wars Tales number 8 from 2001, but was also mentioned in KOTOR 2 on Narshada. What, what uh, was that the um was that the uh the bar where you had to learn like the force trans sort of uh, thing to get in there? I don't know. <laughs> ask, ask, ask Wikipedia. Uh, uh, Maru uh, discusses the form of barley uh, Vratixia, which was originally cultivated on Thyphera. And Thyphera has some deep legends ties. It was first mentioned in X-Wing Rogue Squadron, but first fully appeared in X-Wing Back to War. Uh, pretty uh, pretty apt for a plant used to make Bacta. Uh, the other two ingredients of Bacta that were mentioned, uh, Alazi and Kavam, were also from the X-Wing series of books. Sedri Minor occupies the same system as Sedri, a mostly water planet that Avar and Maru discuss. Sedri was first mentioned in the Battle of the Golden Sun West End Game source book from 1988. Uh, the Rodian family on Sedri Minor offers Keeve a Samana spiced loaf. Uh, Samana is a city on Rodia, their home planet, uh, although it's only ever been mentioned in the uh, wait for it. Here it is. The Shadows of the Empire Planet uh-huh. Guide. So even <laughs> even in the High Republic, our our good old boy, um, oh God. Shizor. Shizor manages to make <laughs> his his presence known. His stank known. Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, Keeve uh, later complains about the smell of Skier's Karkin Stew. Uh, Karkin Rabin is a meat dish first mentioned in Spectre of the Past. It was one of Luke's favorites. And uh, that dish also had Trandoshan origins. Uh, and the last one I found was uh, the flashback mission uh, with uh, Gear and Keeve was on uh, Karima. And that planet was first mentioned in the Twin Stars of Kira Weston source book from 1993. I think that's the second time we've mentioned the Twin Stars of Kira as a Easter egg. I'm hmm. assuming the other one was also a Cavan Scott work, but I can't remember what we've done around table on at this point. Uh, but yeah, that is your Easter eggs. Nice work. Yeah. Cavan, he always has some really uh, deep pulls for sure. And I, I always love seeing what he comes up with. I'd love to see that man's library. He must like have every, like, <laughs> like 
ever one of those D6 like Western adventures. And whenever he needs, instead of going to like a name generator, he just goes to like one of those books and pulls out a random page. Right. Name. It, it probably <laughs> rivals uh, Trev's library. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and go back and rewrite this book. I'm going to go in the same order that I did at the top of the show. And so I'm going to start with Caleb. You originally gave it an 8.5. What? After our long discussion here, what are you going to give it now? I think I'm going to stick my guns, give it an 8.5. There's a lot of really good things here. Like I've definitely pulled out a few extra things here that make me appreciate it more. But I think, you know, like if we included the next two issues there, it's an easy nine. But because it's kind of not the complete story here, it's still a really good story. I love a great cliffhanger. I still think it's an 8.5 for me. All right. So you're, you're, you're standing pat, Jacob. You started off with an eight. I did stay in with an eight. I think so. Yeah, I, 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 I still think that um, just the fact that this doesn't exist in a vacuum, you know, in comparison to mm-hmm. the rest of the series and the rest of the higher public entries, I think I think is eight is fair. However, I will give um, honorable mention to I'll, I'll give the art and like a nine five. I think the art is fantastic and it's definitely it's great to have something such high quality and such consistent quality. Uh, on this uh, flagship series so yeah eight eight for the story as a whole but we're going to give uh are and dito uh, a special 9.5 all right all right emma you're the high that, that the high mark of the group with a 9.2 originally what's what 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 have how have we affected your score since since uh since the top of the show i think i'm also going to stay at my score of a 9.2 i still um really enjoy the the story and um, some of the deeper themes that that we kind of uncovered here um, with some parallels um, going on with some real world things. I thought that was really cool. Um, I really am enjoying the run like as a whole. And I think it I think it helps that like, you know, I, I, we kind of know if you're reading week to week, what happens as mm-hmm. we go farther along. That definitely helps the score for me. I think I think if I had read this and didn't know what happened in six, seven, eight, blah, 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 I, I think um I think it probably, it might've been lower because that cliffhanger, it, it definitely, I mean, that was rough. I remember reading that, that issue, like when it first came out, I was like, darn it, I have to wait another month to find out what happens. And so, yeah, that was, that was pretty tough, but um, yeah, Kevin Scott always does some good work and, and Jacob, I'm glad you mentioned the art because this was some really, really solid stuff. Um, Keeves sort of like force sort of vision or like, you know, whatever that was, that was amazing art. Um, uh, holding holding skier in her arms in the last page also amazing with the lighting and the colors it was it was all just so so good and um yeah have to have to shout out the art there so sticking at my 9.2 really enjoyed it all right so we've got an 8.5 from caleb that stayed at an 8.5 we got an 8.0 from jacob that stayed an 8.0 we got a 9.2 from emma that stayed as 9.2 i can't just leave it as uh you know the way the, the the rest of you have um and i and i also equally cannot lower my score because uh that's just not something that that th- there's no reason to do that so i will bring it up normally i only go half points eights and 8.5s but i'm going to bring it up by an eight by, by a quarter point i'm going to bring it up to an 8.25 uh mainly because of the art the art mm. um be nasty says in the chat that they made the trade white again like that's awesome. The detail that Ario is able to do uh, in the faces is amazing. 
Um, be nasty has also caused me to, to reopen, uh, issue four, uh, and look at that history page of the, um, of the drain gear. And I love it. Like, like the, the art of this, you know, in each of the panels and the fact that all the panels is, are separated by the roots of, of the drain gear. Like I love the art that the, the colors are bright. The, 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 the Jedi are, are in yellows and golds and 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 so everything about the art is is fantastic i i i would even give ario like 9.9 when it comes exactly to like um and, and so that's so i will bring my score up to an 8.25 um and that is entirely based off of the fact that the art is so fantastic uh, so absolutely like i think this is like the dream team of like star wars content 100 like, I, I do not know if there's a better pedigree of star wars like comic like coalition that we've seen yet this is like this is some real a team sort of stuff like even the covers by phil noto the person we did our first artist spotlight each cover is so so good yeah 100 percent agree so all right our next round table is actually going to be fairly quickly uh, and that is going to be on uh, on uh, september 29th and that is going to be for the edge of balance volume one so we not only are we going to stick with the High Republic, but we're going to get our first manga on the on on this show. So that is something that uh, we should all be excited for. And in addition to that, we also have another special announcement for uh, next week's show that I am actually going to turn over to Emma so that she can make the announcement. Yeah, so I'm really excited to announce our next big Utini podcast crossover. It's Shadows of the Empire Part 2. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you guys. It's um, it's quite the opposite, actually. So uh, if, if for those that don't remember um, or weren't around uh, for when we did our first crossover, um, Cosmic Force and Legends Look Back did a crossover uh, all about Shadows of the Empire because it's a, it's a Legends book and it's got some comics and we did uh, a crossover on that. Um, this time we are doing one with all three of our live shows. Uh, all about women and Star Wars. I'm very excited uh, to discuss it. We're going to talk about um, characters as well as focusing on um, creators and how uh, women have sort of uh, evolved in Star Wars. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very excited to talk about it. I'm going to be on Living Force uh, on Monday to talk about it in the books. And of course, I'll be here uh, on Wednesday night talking about it in the comics with all of you. And I have to say, uh, so far, uh, the research that I've done um, for Cosmic Force, uh, I'm just so excited to talk about some of these creators. Um, some of these women are, are so amazing. And, um, you know, we don't talk about creators in general enough, um, especially women creators in, in Star Wars comics. Uh, comics in general, it's a hard uh, sort of medium uh, for women, but I think we're getting better and I, I'm really excited to uh, shine a light on it. So uh, that'll be next week. We've got uh, Living Force, Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Cosmic Force, same time, same place, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, as always. And then Legends Look Back, which is going to be Thursday night, I believe, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. That's the time that they normally go live. It might be different, but I'm pretty sure that that's the time. So um, make sure to catch uh, all three of those. They're going to be a lot of fun. Yes, and uh, we're all looking forward to that, uh, to next week. We've got a couple of, of special guests possibly lined up, and, and, and it's going to be a fun show. Uh, one last announcement. Uh, we are actually having an aftermath, aftermath, after show uh, for our Inquisitorious level patrons and up. So those of you that are at that level 
Uh, we will be over in the Discord voice channel in just a few minutes as soon as we end. So make sure you stop in there and say hi. Um, and for those of you that uh, are wondering what that is, then make sure you join our, our, our Patreon uh, and you can join us next time. But for now, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every Wednesday at 8 p.m. right here on YouTube to hear us live. Uh, if you uh, like what you hear, please leave a review on iTunes. Uh, we definitely always uh, appreciate those. Uh, and it also helps people find new listeners find the show. So please make sure you do that. And be sure to visit utini.com for reviews, articles, uh, and news for the entire expanded universe. Uh, I also we also encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. And if you'd like to support the show, you can find us on patreon.com slash utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just five dollars a month. A special thank you to OK Endar, Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, as well as Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command level for their amazing support. Uh, you can tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show or at any of our, us hosts individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Laminick. And Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. Thank you again to Emma, Caleb, and Jacob for hosting with me tonight. A special thank you to all of you who joined us live in the chat today. Uh, thank you to our listeners wherever and whenever you are. And uh, we truly do appreciate your support. Uh, we look forward to joining to you joining all of us next week. But until then, remember, we are all the Republic.